welcome to Growing, a podcast about birth, babies, and beyond. I'm your host, Beth. I'm a midwife, a business owner, and a mum. If you're anything like me, you find yourself wearing many hats, and this can be fun and hard and everything in between. So I'm here to offer support and solidarity for whatever season of growth you find yourself in. Let's go. This week's podcast is brought to you by Aussie baby sleepwear brand Ergo Pouch, who have just launched their gorgeous holiday sleepwear collection just in time for school holidays and a much needed vacay. Inspired by the warmth of the sunny rays and our underwater friends, they're perfect for a good night's sleep after a day at the beach. If you're a longtime listener, you know that Pops and I are big fans of Ergo Pouch. Their certified organic TOG rated sleepwear keeps our girl comfy overnight all year long, ensuring she's neither overheating nor cold. With the weather warming up, you can simply use their handy what to wear guide to quickly work out how to dress your baby for bed according to the temperature. Check out their clay colored sunny print and sea themed ocean print on ergopouch.com.au. Plus, Ergo Pouch have kindly given our listeners 20% off with the code GROWING until the 11th of October. Hello and welcome back to Growing. Today's episode is a really good one because it is all about mindset shifts for supporting birth. So this is an episode that I really want you to send on to your partner or better yet, listen together, pop it on while you're cooking dinner. Um, send it to them for their drive to work, go for a walk, have an AirPod each, and really try to engage with the learnings and have a chat afterwards about how it feels to consider this mindset shift for the support role. I've actually had some feedback from people um, on Instagram and around the podcast just saying we we want more for our partners. This is really helpful stuff, but you know, we really want to reach our partners with this information, which I love because it is absolutely valuable to approach labor and birth and postpartum and parenting and life together with that team mindset. So this episode I'm going to say is a must listen for anyone preparing to support someone in labor. And so what I want to talk to you about today is the fact that we are really, really great at celebrating the strength of bodies in our culture, particularly in Australia. We love sport. We really get around that triumph of, you know, pushing yourself and working at peak performance levels. We love to see who's at the top of their game. We have a huge culture around fitness and working out in the gym and pushing your body to do amazing amazing things. But when it comes to birth, we see the pain associated with the body working hard as something that needs to be fixed and treated. And this is, you know, it's a really complex one because I'm not saying with this conversation at all, I don't want anyone to listen to this and think, okay, uh, she's saying that I shouldn't use pain relief and I shouldn't reach for the epidural and I shouldn't do anything. And I just have to, you know, deal with it. That is not at all what I'm saying. In my course, Power Birth, I teach about all your different options for working with pain, both the pharmacological, the drugs and the non-drug natural options. So this is not about saying there's nothing you should do to work with pain in labor. This conversation is here to help you reframe and remember that the sensations of labor are no different to when you're pushing your body to work at peak performance level 
for example, in a sports setting or you're, you know, running a marathon or something like that, you know, it is hard. And there is a point when you're working out where you think, gosh, this hurts and this is really uncomfortable and I would rather stop. But at no point in that experience, are you fearful? You're not thinking, oh my gosh, what is that? What is that feeling? Because we have come to trust that muscular pain, that feeling of pushing ourselves. And we know that, okay, if I just push through for a short period of time, if I focus on my breath, this is just my body saying, wow, I'm working really, really hard. So what I want from this episode is for partners and support people, anyone supporting birth, to really trust that the sensations of labor are normal. And more than that, that your partner is capable of experiencing them. So at the heart of this, I'm basically letting you into one of my key power birth teachings when we talk about birth partners, which is this mindset shift of, I am here to support you, not save you. I just want to acknowledge it is natural to want to fix or take away pain when you see a loved one experiencing it. So it's incredibly normal that if you're sitting there going, I just don't want to watch her in pain. I want to be able to manage it. I want to be able to take it away from her. This is a really frightening experience for me. And I just want to be able to control it. I just want to normalize that. Like that is a very normal and expected way to feel. But when we understand the role of your key birth hormones and this concept of physiological versus pathological pain, we really can start to move away from that feeling of fear that leads to a desire to control and start to really trust that this is a process we have to lean into. And if anything I'm saying is piquing your interest beyond this episode, I highly encourage you to engage with the work of a birth worker and author called Rhea Dempsey. She has a series of books and she talks beautifully about this concept of trusting pain and physiological versus pathological. Physiological pain is your body working at peak performance levels. So it is that feeling that I just described of pushing your body hard, working out in the gym, running a race, pushing yourself for team sport and understanding that, wow, that hurts and I can feel my lungs working and I can feel my muscles there on fire. But I'm okay with that. And I know I can do it for a short period of time because I know that my body is actually designed to work that way. I've been given these muscles for a reason. Pathological pain is our body's way of telling us that something is wrong. So this is the pain that you experience when you break your leg, you're in an accident, you cut yourself while you're cooking dinner and you get that, oh, ow. And it is not going to go away until you fix it, you treat it, or it resolves itself. The feeling of a contraction and the pain that you experience in labor is physiological pain. Your uterus is a muscle. It is working in a way that it is purposeful and productive, and therefore contractions, while intense, are not dangerous. And when we really understand this and when we really trust it, it alleviates that fear of watching your partner go through this. It doesn't mean that it's easy. It doesn't mean that on the day you're not going to be like, God, I wish I could tap in. She is working so hard. This is really hard to feel like I'm on the outside of this. But what it does mean is that you can trust and start to shift away from that feeling of, okay, I need to save you. I need to fix this and think, how can I actually support you? And we're going to talk about that more very shortly, just about what this actually looks like. But I really want you to understand that on a physiological level, pain and contractions actually play a vital role 
in the birth of your baby. They trigger the release of birth hormones, primarily oxytocin, that cause more contractions to begin. And contractions are a necessary ingredient. We cannot dilate a cervix and move towards a vaginal birth without contractions. So something else I teach about in power birth is celebrating contractions, welcoming them instead of going, no, oh my gosh, they're getting worse. This is awful. We're going, wow, they're getting more intense. This means that they're going to get closer together and the more productive they are, the more intense they are and the more often they're coming, the more likely it is that my baby is getting into a great position with the power of these contractions pushing their little head, or in some cases, their little bottom onto the cervix and pushing that cervix out of the way so that they can come down and out. That in its essence is what childbirth is. And it is therefore not our job as midwives or birth support people to offer solutions or encourage pain relief. Rather, it is our role to support them through that experience. Now, just as an aside, if you and your partner in pregnancy have had a really great chat about this, considered all your options and your partner is saying to you, you know what, I really want to use an epidural and I feel comfortable with that decision. This chat is not setting you up to say to your partner in labor who has already made that informed choice, no, 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 you've just got to push through. You're not allowed to use an epidural. Not at all. That is not what this is about. I am all for people using whatever tool that they desire, but it needs to come from her. So it is really tempting when you're watching someone in labor and you're watching them in pain to just jump in with this fix and go, is there something we can do? Like, could we just get the epidural or can we just give some drugs to make this easier? And that when it comes from the birth support person, whether that is a healthcare worker or a family member, partner, whatever. That is coming from a place of fear and they're projecting their own fears and desire to control onto the birthing woman. When it comes from the woman, it's a completely different story and it's our, you know, we should never be policing a woman's desire to use pain relief. But it is not our job as the support crew to jump in with solutions before they have even occurred to her. It is our job to support her, to help her feel like she is capable And that it's okay that she's feeling this way because her body is working in this really amazing, purposeful way. So how can we actually support? What does that actually look like? First and foremost, when we enter a birth space, and I would also argue all throughout pregnancy, the use of empowering language is absolutely crucial. If she is trying to engage in a conversation with you about her options and how she's feeling and that sort of thing, I think, you know, it's tempting to want to sort of shut down and be like, oh, we'll just see how we go or, you know, the epidural is always there if you need it and that kind of thing. We really, really want to empower her to go, yeah, you know, your body's incredible. You've come this far, you know, you've we, we wake up every day and you're growing this amazing baby without having to do anything. You know, your body really knows and understands. In labor, words like you're doing so well, said really calmly and confidently can just be amazing for the headspace. I can relate to this on a personal and professional level. The things that were said to me in labor were, the, were some of the things that got me through. Empowering language is actually a tool. Okay. So it's really, really important to think about the words that you're choosing and how they might land in the birth space. Saying things like, I trust you. You're amazing. I am in awe of your strength. I know you're tired, I see you, but we're just going to take this one at a time. That sort of stuff is really, really powerful. 
One of the things that I invite you to do is put sympathy aside. It's so tempting when you see someone in labor who's obviously tired and obviously working very hard to say to them like, oh, you poor thing, because that is what you would say to them if they were experiencing pain of a pathological uh, nature. You know, if they were sick or if they'd had an injury, you'd be like, oh man, I feel so bad for you. I, you know, it sucks. But that doesn't serve us in labor. That doesn't do anything to make us go, okay, yes, I'm capable and I'm just going to keep going one at a time. I'm going to breathe through. If someone says to you, you poor thing, you look exhausted. You know, I don't know how you're going to keep doing this. You will wear that as the birthing person. You will take that on and think this doubt, this fear is contagious and it's, it's starting to impact my headspace. One of the most important things you can do is to protect the space. So literally protect her physical environment by creating that privacy, you know, optimize her birth environment to make those, those contractions as effective as possible. And this is a concept I explore more in power birth. So I won't go into it. I don't want to overload you with information, but we know that the physical environment has a strong influence on the way that our birth hormones behave and our physiological ability to labor. So when we are interrupted frequently, when we are stressed, when we feel really observed and there's strangers in our space, that is not an environment in which the human body or any mammal is going to birth peacefully and with ease. That is a body that is going to be on alert. And when we are on alert, our bodies are super clever and they are surveying the area going, is this a safe place to meet my baby? And what we often see is that contraction patterns can stall and slow down as a result. So this is something just to keep in mind that you are actually so valuable in protecting that space. That is a form of support because you're creating an environment in which she's free to labor safely and without fear. I think I said this earlier, but I really do believe this and I've seen this dynamic play out many, many, many times in my work, but fear in the birth space is contagious. So when one person starts to feel heightened, whether that's, you know, one of the staff members, someone who is supporting a family member, that kind of thing, when one person is bringing that energy of fear and nervousness and stress and anxiety, it catches like wildfire. So you need to find a way to put your own fears aside. It doesn't mean that you can put them to bed completely. It's normal. You're a human. You're allowed to have concerns and worries about, you know, your partner and this baby. But it's about checking your energy, checking your body language, checking the language that you're using and making sure that that fear is not being projected onto her because she is going to be in her zone and she really, really needs you to hold space and feel confident on her behalf. And then, of course, celebrate her. So, you know, it's actually amazing when someone says to someone in labor, you're incredible, like you are doing this so well. You just breathed through that contraction so beautifully. I can see that you're working really hard and you're doing an amazing job. That stuff is going to, without saying it directly, you're not saying, hey, I'm trying to reframe your headspace around contractions as something that are not dangerous, but rather productive. You know, you're not giving that speech to them in labor, but that is what you are doing. When you celebrate her, you're signaling to her, you're safe. It's okay that you feel this way. And we're just going to keep going through one at a time. And then something I I really want you to take on is that it is okay to take breaks. Please don't feel like you can't leave the room, have a drink, look after yourself, have a sleep if there's an opportunity to do so, particularly in the earlier hours of the labor, because your 
not going to be the best support person possible if your tank is running on empty. So it's really, really important if you can to find ways to reset your energy levels, whether that's popping out for a coffee, going outside and getting some big deep breaths of fresh air, particularly if you've been in the hospital for a while, don't discount the power of just stepping outside of those four walls, taking some deep breaths of fresh air, texting a friend, just going like, hey, this is, you know, I'm having a pretty intense time having something to eat so that your energy, your physical energy is topped up and then coming back into the birth space so that you continue to be that confident, calm presence that she really, really needs. Just communicate with the midwife. We're there for you as well. So don't feel like you can't say, hey, look, I'm just, can can you stay with her? I'm just going to pop out. We are there to support you as a unit and make sure that, you know, your needs are also being met. So this is all a lot to take in and particularly if you've never heard of these concepts before, you might, you know, be thinking, okay, this is a lot. This is a big mindset shift. If you're someone that has felt nervous previously about birth or you're still working through that, this can feel pretty big. So it's important to know that this work cannot begin in labor. It is really key that you take the time in pregnancy together to work as a team and engage with some education, communicate really openly, formulate a birth plan or birth preferences list, birth wishes, however you want to frame it, but something where you put pen to paper and go, how do we want this to look? What kind of tools do you want me to advocate for? How do you want me to set up your birth space? I actually wrote my husband a I wrote a birth plan for my midwives and medical team and I actually wrote Tristan a cheat sheet and I wrote down the things that I thought I would like and the things that I thought would not resonate so much and just gave him some key pointers based on the work, the education that we'd done together to go, this is what I think I'll need from you. And of course, I don't know you know, how this is going to play out on the day. We need to be open and flexible. That is something I'm really passionate about as well. Birth planning is not about pigeonholing yourself into this rigid idea of how things will unfold. It's just an opportunity for you to talk openly, to research your options, to engage with resources like this, and then put that down pen to paper, or it can be in your notes app on your phone. It really doesn't have to be fancy. But it is a opportunity to talk your concerns through and sort of come out the other side with a bit of an idea of how you want to work together. Another really great idea is to begin listening to some positive birth experiences together, of course, as well as understanding the potential for complexity. I don't want to brush over the fact that, of course, birth can go in a million different directions and it's great to listen to a broad array of experiences. But what you're probably finding in your social groups at barbecues, within family, that kind of thing, we're far more comfortable and happy to share the hard stuff and to you've probably heard lots of people go, oh my gosh, it was so bad or it was so hard or she was in labor for so many hours. You know, we all arrive in pregnancy with those stories already kind of simmering around our brain. So we ha- sometimes we have to be proactive and go out of our way to find those positive birth experiences, listen to What are the common threads? You know, what did they do to set themselves up? Or what were some of the things that they faced that they overcame as a team? And start to really move away from this idea that birth has to be a horrible, hard experience. And remember that it is an incredibly, you know, it's an incredibly natural and amazing transformative experience for many. So if you are listening to this and thinking, okay, 
my head is starting to get in the game. What are my next steps? You can always join my online birth course called Power Birth. We actually run these face-to-face in face-to-face workshop form as well in both Melbourne and Sydney. I currently host the Sydney ones uh, at the time of recording and I have a wonderful midwife who works with me called Madeline who hosts them in Melbourne. But if you're listening from anywhere else in the world, anywhere else in Australia, or you can't grab a spot in one of those workshops, the Power Birth online course is hosted by me. And we talk through a lot of this stuff in more detail, as well as, I guess, providing you some more context around, well, what are these birth hormones that that you keep mentioning? What sorts of things should I be doing at each stage of labor? What are the methods of working with pain that we can reach for together? So that is always there for you. Um, you can access at any time. It's instant access at the time of purchase. And I'll pop the link in the show notes. But I sincerely hope that this episode has been a productive listen together and is an opportunity to keep talking and keep processing and and start preparing for the really, really exciting bit, which is the birth of your baby. I am actually taking a little recording break for the next couple of weeks. So if I'm not popping up into your uh, podcast apps, that is why, but I will absolutely be back. Thank you for joining me. And I can't wait to be back here after my break. Thank you so much, Ergo Pouch, for getting behind this episode of Growing. Remember to check out their new range at ergopouch.com.au and get 20% off with the code GROWING until the 11th of October. If you're hearing this message, then you've listened all the way to the end and maybe you're keen for more. If that's the case, jump over to my website to learn about how I can support you in pregnancy. It's www.birthwithbeth.com.au or check out my Instagram for heaps more educational content. Thank you for being here and I'll see you back here very soon.